Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Sunday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, after an ugly Steelers loss. I think one of the ugliest Steelers losses of the Mike Tomlin era. Um, I am here. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for Multimedia at the Post-Gazette, joined by Paul Zeiss, our Post-Gazette sports columnist for our post-game stream. We're going to be doing this every week. We did it every week last year. Um, had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I don't know how much fun we're going to have today, Paul, but we're going to get through it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I be, I, it is what it is. It wasn't exactly a very good uh, win for the – or, I mean, a very good day for your uh, home team. And I think one of the things that hopefully happens now is maybe uh, some of the more ridiculous, way-over-the-top expectations for this team will be tempered a little bit and we can start to have real conversations about, um, you know, where they are and what they need to do and, and, and just how good they are and all that other stuff. Yeah, Paul, I want to get into expectations and how they frame how we, you know, digest this loss in a minute. Before I do, just a reminder, this live stream is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Paul, I think a lot of the reason people are so upset is that, you know, the preseason, the great performance we saw in the preseason, a lot, a lot of people to think this team might be ready to take a step, you know, not just this season, but I think early in the season, get some of these statement wins, maybe follow up the upset of the Bills a couple of years ago, the upset of the Bengals with an upset of another, you know, I think true Super Bowl contender in the 49ers this week. That didn't materialize. Um, are are the Steelers a bad football team, or are they, or are they kind of the team that, that we probably should have thought that they were a team that's going to have a chance to be pretty good, but is going to have to work its way toward being as good as the 49ers by the end of the season. Well, they're not going to be as good as the 49ers by the end of the season. I mean, there's just a, there's too many positions where the 49ers are clearly better than the Steelers, um, and I would start that with a quarterback. I, I know that that's probably the most unpopular opinion in town right now. But at the end of the day, if you ask me uh, what one of the biggest differences between these two teams was, I would say the play of the quarterback. Uh, you know, I know there'll be a lot of discussion about the offensive coordinator and some of the uh, some of the fact that the offense uh, of the 49ers is schemed much better than the, the offense of the Steelers. But that's a lot of nonsense to me. Yes, I mean, I think the 49ers offensive scheme is, is superior but you know what? The quarterback over there, the place for the 49ers, executes the offense really, really well. He's accurate, which I didn't think uh, Kenny Pickett was very accurate today. He's poised. He, he uses his feet just enough to, to make some plays. Um, so I don't think they'll be as good as the 49ers even by the end of the year. Because, again, 
Um, I look player for player, and I just think the 49ers are better. Now, that doesn't mean that the Steelers can't be a playoff team still or won't be a playoff team or whatever, you, however you want to say it, um, because not everybody's the 49ers. I mean, that's really the, the good news. The best news out of all of this is that nobody else is the 49ers. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the Steelers have some issues that I think we probably didn't see uh, before the season because everyone was blinded by the preseason so much. Um, and that's the key to me. There's some things that I thought I saw today that I don't know if there's a complete and easy answer for. So we'll see. I want to get into Kenny Pickett because you mentioned him. I think it's going to be the hottest topic for the week, how he looked. Um what was your biggest concern, Paul? And is this kind of proof positive that the preseason defenses and the regular season defenses are two really completely different things in terms of their complexity? Because he just looked to me like a guy who was not making the reads quickly, who was not making decisions quickly, um, and, and that that cost the Steelers in a lot of circumstances. That's not to say it was the only problem, but I think it was the essential problem, which, which was he was kind of dancing around and, and didn't know where he was going with the ball as easily as he did in the preseason. And, and that's because the, it looked like a defense that had game planned and not just a defense that showed up for a preseason game. And not just game planned, but it's the pressure that they put on the quarterback. It's completely different in the preseason when they're not blitzing and they're just kind of, you know, that's a completely different situation. So people that were getting all giddy because he was, you know, four drives or five drives and went for touchdowns and, you know, looked like a world beater. As I said back then, and I, I – the preseason is just sort of like glorified scrimmaging to get ready for the season. Um, but when you get into the regular season, you, you, you're going to face game plans. You're going to face guys that have, you know, coaches that have watched lots of film and are going to have all kinds of uh, different wrinkles for you. You're going to face a lot of different uh, blitzes that you don't ever see in the preseason. There's so many things about the regular season that are different than the preseason that, you know, it's nice when they, you know, it's nice when they have a good preseason, but it doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, I thought Kenny Pickett today looked like he was a little jumpy in the pocket. Uh, looked like he started getting happy feet after he got hit a few times. He was not accurate at all. Uh, throwing ball behind guys, throwing, you know, overthrowing guys. Uh, both interceptions were bad decisions. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the first interception – he threw it to Deontay Johnson, and people were like, well, you know, Deontay Johnson slipped, you know, or whatever the storyline is that, you know, we have a storyline that always is basically let's absolve the quarterback of whatever the issue is, right? That's like the narrative in this town. But um, the reality is even if he wouldn't have slipped, it wasn't going to be a complete pass. Meanwhile, he had Pat Fryermuth. I'm pretty sure it was Fryermuth in the middle of the field, you know, who could have actually uh, – built, you know, a, a two or three hundred thousand uh, dollar home in the middle of the field. He was so he was that on the property that he was that far wide open, you know, in the middle of the field. Um, and the second one was just sort of a chuck and duck, right? A chuck and hope. Uh, he threw it into triple coverage and, you know, one guy tipped it, the other guy caught it. So to me, it, decision making wasn't great. Accuracy wasn't great. I don't know, Adam, like it wasn't a good day for him, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, he's, you know, they should think about moving on and putting Trubisky in next week and all that other stupid stuff, but he's got to play a lot better than he did today. That, that's for sure. What was the bigger concern for you, Paul? You know, knowing what you saw from him last season, knowing what you saw from him today, 
what do you think he can move forward and look a little bit better next week with? Is it because to me, I think the bigger concern is how he was seeing the field um, and how he was digesting that Niners defense. And, and once he's like you mentioned, once he started getting hit, I think that's my bigger concern. But are, are you more concerned about the accuracy? Yeah, I mean, you know, even even some of the passes he completed, I mean, he had a chance if he. Even some of the passes he completed, I thought, you know, were, were receivers making plays more so than uh, him actually throwing good passes. So the accuracy is a, is a is a problem. But again, it's one game, and I think one of the things is the 49ers, uh They put an enormous amount of pressure on him early in the game, and you know what? I think he got a little bit of a happy feet to him. So, to me. I feel like he just goes back this week, works with his quarterback coach, you know, works on some of his fundamentals uh, with his footwork and all that stuff, and 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 I think he'll be okay. I I don't I don't overreact at all over one game, although I think there are some things that, like I said before, that I saw in this game that makes me uh, makes me think that maybe we need to reevaluate how good we think this team really is. Well, I wanted to get into that with you, Paul, because you and I, when we did our Thursday show, if you're just joining us for the first time, Paul and I also talk on Thursdays about the Steelers, but also about college football, the Pirates, everything. So make sure you subscribe to the, subscribe to the channel. Make sure you're tuned into that. We both picked 10 wins for this team. A lot of the guys in our sports department, uh, we put out our predictions on postgazette.com, had 10 wins for the Steelers. Did this performance, I guess, specifically about with Kenny Pickett, but even more broadly with the team itself, change any of your faith in their ability to win 10 games this season i'm going to go first i'll say i think you know they looked they looked like a team that i expected to, to win 10 games but not really be in that upper echelon of teams they, they lost to a better team today i don't know that that changes my expectations for what they can do with the rest of their schedule especially because you know i don't think it's a very good schedule. well I think there's enough bad teams on this team on this schedule that they can get the nine or ten wins. I do, but you know, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of see this team as a team that's probably middle, you know, maybe a little above the middle of the pack. Nine or ten wins, probably not elite, uh, but they 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 have the ability to get to the playoffs. You know, they're going to be able to do some things as as the season goes on. They'll get a little bit better in a couple of areas, but. I think one of the things that people deluded themselves into thinking is that they, you know, this was a team. I heard people say this was a roster without flaws. I, I hope after watching today's game, you know, they, they've come to a different conclusion than that. Yeah, I want to start talking about some other position groups, Paul. First, I want to start with the running backs. Um, we were deep into the third quarter. I think they had six, seven carries. I think part, part of that was the you know result of so many three and outs. There's only so many snaps you can give to anyone if you're going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. You know, I think what was the first four or five drives? Maybe you have 15 snaps total. So if you have seven, six, seven runs, I don't think you're really that far off. But but they really didn't seem, you know, even in that context, they didn't seem as committed to the run as I think I expected them to be. And, and as much as you and I talked about them being, what, what did you think of, of the running game and how they used it today? It was non-existent. It really was. I didn't understand. It was almost like, well, we're down seven, nothing. We got to chase the rest of the game. So we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna go basically uh, into shotgun and try and throw the ball and get back in the game. I didn't quite understand the, why they were were so quick to do that. But they also had a problem. I thought, you know, there was a couple of things that they didn't do very well uh, early in the game that cost them, you know, getting into a hole. And once they got in a hole, uh, 
you know, the 49ers were able to pin their ears back a little bit, so uh, made it a little bit more difficult to run the ball. I, I just felt like, you know, one of the things that's interesting as an aside running the football, this game probably would have been a shutout if Cal Shanahan uh, used his brains a little bit. Um, right before the half, the 49ers had the ball. And this is the thing, Adam, that drives me crazy about these coaches. Okay, you're dominating the game. You're up 20 to nothing. You just had a nice run right before the two-minute warning. You get to the – you have first and 10 at the other team's 37. You're up 20 to nothing. And the other team, because of complete idiocy, has no timeouts left. I, I got to be honest with you. Every single winning coach, super elite winning coach that I know, runs the ball on first down there and runs 40 seconds off the clock to make sure that they're the last people to handle the ball, right? You run 40 seconds off the clock there. If, even if you get two or three yards, it doesn't matter. You're already in field goal range, right? And then you run it a second time, right? And you get two or three more yards and, and set up a little better field goal. Guess what? The Steelers never touched the ball before the half. Instead, he throws it three times, three incompletes. It goes from 152 or so on the clock when the thing started to like 146, and the Steelers basically are able to go down the field and score a touchdown. So um, it was interesting that the 49ers didn't seem to have a problem running the football, but even then, you know, the coaches just can't help themselves sometimes. They just can't. And, and that was a great example of uh, how you end up losing a football game that you should have won because uh, of your of your you know see your play calling sequence right before the half. What do you think of this offensive line, Paul? Because I didn't see it really opening up any other than that one long run by Najee Harris. They weren't opening up many, many holes at all, and they weren't passed. I mean, they were getting destroyed there late in the game. Kenny Pickett had no chance. I'm not absolving Kenny Pickett for how he played early in the game, but late in the game, he had no chance. The guys, the guys, the guys in front of him were not blocking. Um, what it was that a function of these guys just haven't had a chance to gel yet? You've made a lot of changes on that line, or do you have legitimate concern about that group? Well, I mean, it's they've got to come together. It takes time to put to put an offensive line together. I don't read too much into what happened today. It takes a few weeks, you know, playing together, uh, really kind of figuring out who does what, who fits well, you know, all that stuff. It usually takes. A little bit of time for that. I, I don't worry about that. I, I thought they were actually not bad in, in pass blocking. Yeah, they gave up some sacks late in the game, but that was, you know, a, a product of a, a lot of different, you know, factors. But they, for the most part, did a pretty good job of protecting Kenny Pickett. I mean, I think they had, what, they gave up four sacks in this game. I think maybe uh, three of them were on that last drive. Uh, run their run the their run blocking was atrocious, though. I thought their run blocking was atrocious. I thought they were dominated at the point of attack a lot of game, on a lot of plays. I thought that they didn't do a very good job of, of giving the, the running backs an opportunity to make plays. Um, it's just one of those really frustrating kind of games. Did you give any thought to the distribution of Jalen Warren and Najee Harris? I think we saw both of them. I, I think we saw a lot more Jalen Warren than I was expecting to, but I think we saw a lot less Najee Harris overall because of, because of the game script. It was a negative game script for him. Um, is there anything we should read into the fact that Jalen Warren seemed to be in there close to 50-50, or was this just you're behind, you know, there's probably not a whole lot to say on that front? Yeah, no, I, I, I just I don't think there was a whole lot to say on that front. You know, I think basically 
they, they made the decision pretty early on that they were just going to try and sort of uh, chase, you know, points by throwing the ball. So I throw out any of that distribution of, of a running game. And frankly, you know what, in the second half when the game's over, I don't have a problem with them using Jalen Warren. Why not? Why, why put, you know, Najee Harris in, 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 you know, position to get hurt in a game you're down 20 and probably not going to win? Um, so I would wait until, you know, next week they play the Browns or whatever, and then I'd wait till the next few games to see exactly what the distribution of, of, of carries is going to be. Paul, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about the receivers because you were there. You had the perspective that I think a lot of us watching at home may not have um, of, of whether these guys were open or not. You took a lot of criticism in our YouTube con- comments, um, you know, going into the season because you and I repeatedly talked about our faith in, in the Steelers wide receiver group. And, you know, I, I think you and I both had a prove it mentality. What did you guys, you know, what, what did you see from those guys today? You sounded like you were a little bit encouraged by some of the plays that they made, you know, given what they were getting out of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, but, but again, you know, we can talk about it. Is it scheme? Is it them? Whatever. They, they don't get open. You know, Pickens, uh, I, I don't understand how you don't target that guy 10, 15 times, right? I mean, but by the same token, he's not open that much. He's not open like you would think he was, you know? Uh, when, when you watched Antonio Brown play, for instance, the guy was open. And, and then even if he wasn't open, open, you know what, Ben knew the job. I'm just going to throw it to him because he's going to make a play on it. I, I don't know that, they're, that these guys were running, you know, wide open. I mean, Calvin Austin, okay, are we, are we still putting him in the Hall of Fame because he had, you know, a couple of runs in, in, in preseason scrimmages or whatever, you know? Allen Robinson was exactly the player I thought he would be. He had some nice little catches, you know. He's a sure-handed guy, but he isn't going to do a whole lot after he catches the ball. It's just, you know, that's not the kind of receiver he is anymore. Now is Deontay Johnson. I, I didn't get, obviously, downstairs to the locker room yet, but is Deontay Johnson hurt or what's up with him if you lose him? I mean, this, again, I, I said it before, Adam, as you just said, and a lot of people didn't want to hear it when I said this was the one area of the team was receiver they did not address adequately in the offseason. They signed a, a, an old guy who's a nice veteran player, you know, no disrespect to Allen Robinson. If, they, if you bring him in, he's the old sage that's not, you know, your, your fifth receiver guy, you know, who's the veteran guy or whatever. Okay. He's your shorthanded guy that maybe you have some third hand, uh, third down packages for where you know if you throw to him, he's going to catch it on the other side of the sticks. Okay, but that's not what they signed. That's not what they brought in. <laughs> they, I mean, other than him, they, I mean, they brought in – that's not what they brought in. They brought in a guy that they thought was going to be their third receiver. And, and then you've got Calvin Austin, which, again, I mean – I, 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 I know he's going to end up in Canton someday. He's got to, right? He's a Hall of Famer based on everything that I hear about him, all the people that blast me because I say, could, could the guy have like 15 catches in the NFL before we put him in the Hall of Fame? Um, I, I didn't see a whole lot special from him today either. So um, I, that's not the group. That, I mean, again, I had that concern, Adam, before the season. Nothing I saw today makes me think I'm wrong. Nothing. In fact, everything I saw today from that group tells me, especially if Deontay Johnson is down for a few weeks, it tells me I'm not only was I not wrong, I was 110% right. So all of the people that were blasting me should send me an apology. 
Yeah, so if you're in the comments, uh, I'll take some <laughs> submissions now. Um, Paul, are you, what's your, I guess I'll just follow up with this with, I think it's probably a pretty obvious answer. What's your level of concern if Deontay Johnson does miss significant time? I thought he looked, I mean, that injury did not look good to me. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. That looked like it could have been, been a completely torn hamstring. I think the Steelers will be very lucky if it's not because, um, yeah, it, it looked on TV, it looked ugly to me. Well, if he's out, then, okay, what do they have? Are they going to call Tampa and see if Tampa wants to trade a Mike Evans? I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, at that point, what are you doing, right? Now, all of a sudden, you've got Pickens who now teams, the teams look at the other side and say, wait a minute, we've got Pickens over here, and you're telling me Robinson and, and Calvin Austin are over there? Yeah, we're going to bracket Pickens, right, and not worry about these other two guys. we got guys that can man up those two. I mean, it, it, it really probably hurts the Steelers' uh, passing game in a, in, in, in a lot. Like I, like I said, though, you know, I'm, I'm still upstairs in the press box. I haven't gotten downstairs, so I don't know if there's any update on his injury or not. But he I, – I, 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 I hate to keep saying it, Adam, but like I said, they did not address that position well enough in the offseason – because not only did I think their front guys, they weren't good enough with, with their top four, I, I was like, where is their depth? What if they have an injury? And here we are week one and we already have an injury. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's bleak. Like we said, we don't have confirmation. But you know what else, Paul? I, I just checked the scores. Tampa finished off uh, Minnesota in that game. So that's a big win for them. Maybe they're not as bad as we think they are. Um, or at least maybe they're not going to be bad enough to want to trade Mike Evans. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe they're going to want to hang on to him. I'm not saying I think Tampa Bay is going to be anything special or contend for a Super Bowl here, but, you know, can't be good if you're the Steelers in terms of leverage for them to have, have won today, have beat, beaten a good team like Minnesota. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be – it could be – it could get grim because I think we saw Calvin Austin on the outside, and I think he's playing out of position. And if that's how quickly one injury can have guys playing out of position – I think that goes to your point of they probably should have done a little bit more. Um, Paul, I want to get into the defense here in a second. The last question I wanted to ask about the offense was Connor Hayward was a guy that we saw them use a lot in the preseason. I don't think he was ever going to be a like heavy, like 15 targets a game guy, but it took until I think well into the third quarter, maybe it was even in the fourth before he finally even got a target before you even noticed him in the game. Are you surprised they didn't try to, you know, get something going earlier in the game with him? Just a big spark, you know, it, a spark play, you know, 20 yards, get that rhythm moving with the offense. I think that's what he's good at. I was surprised that they they didn't use him until later in the game. Well, you have to remember one thing. Like you said, I mean, their first, what, four of their, four of their five, five first five possessions or three of their first four, whatever it is, they went three and out. It wasn't like they had a lot of plays to take it, you know, to could 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 go to, you know, something like that. Uh, it wasn't like they had plenty of opportunities where, okay, now we got a first down. We're moving the football now. We got a couple of first downs. Okay, let's go to something like Connor Hayward. You know, one of those plays that they run for him. Um, you know, I think he's a good football player. Period. And I think that they should try and incorporate him every single week. Uh, but it, but do you want? the ball going to him or Pickens, you know, Harris or him, uh, you know, Fryermuth or him. I mean, I think, I think you have to make a decision. You want to get the ball in your, your playmakers hands. I mean, 
Uh, what's the kid's name? The receiver, what's his name? Ayuk or whatever his name is for the, mm-hmm. for the 49ers. I mean, he had a big, big day. Um, and that's because, uh, but, but, but guess what? If you look at, uh, and I'd have to look at the chart. I haven't, I haven't looked at it yet, but how many touches did McCaffrey, Samuel and Ayuk have right for the mm-hmm. 49ers? I mean, I want to say if there was 70 plays, okay. I know they handed it to 25, their other running back. I keep forgetting, I forget what his name is, their other running back. They handed it to him, what, eight times, maybe seven, eight times, something like that. Okay, so let's say there's 70 plays, okay. I, and, and again, I don't have the sheet in front of me. I was waiting, trying to wait for the stats, but we got to get going. So I wanted to come back over here. But my point is if they ran 65, 70 offensive plays, I bet you Samuel. McCaffrey and Ayuk probably had about, what, 55, 60 of those touches? Something like that? Would that be fair? I don't. I mean, between rushes and, and, and catches and all that other stuff? Yeah, Something seen, like that. We've seen eight catches for Ayuk, five catches for Samuel. Uh, Samuel had a couple touches in the running game. McCaffrey had 22 carries. So, okay, um, so 40. You know, guys were getting the bulk of the attention. So about 40, and again, I, I would like to see how many plays they ran. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, like how many plays went to other people? You know, the, who, how, how about the backup running back? What did he have? Do you have that in front of you? I do. The backup running back, Elijah Mitchell, had five carries, and they yeah. targeted him once, but he didn't get a catch. Right. Five carries. As I mean, you know, San Francisco basically said, hey, these are our playmakers. This is who we're getting the ball to, period. And, you know, that's the thing about the Steelers. They have to make those kinds of decisions. Not that you can't find a useful role for guys like Connor Hayward, but to me, the bigger issue they had is they, they were getting the ball, you know, to their playmakers, and their playmakers weren't either making plays uh, or they weren't open to make plays. Yeah, yeah, I think that is the the big concern there. I think, you know, for me, it's always been you don't want to see Connor Hayward be the featured player, but I think you want to see them maybe catch a team off balance, get a drive jump started that way. I was just a little surprised that we didn't see that um, earlier. Any quick thoughts on the tight ends? Rick in the comments was asking us about Darnell Washington. Um, it just seems like they couldn't open things up with him. I think that, that guy's still going to require some development too before we start heaping any expectations. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I wouldn't read too much into that yet. I mean, it's week one. Um, they didn't really – I don't even know if they targeted him once, did they? Um, and, and, again, when you've got Pat Fryermuth, that's what you have to consider when you start talking about targeting other guys. At that position, it's like, are we going to target our best guy or are we going to, you know, uh, try and be cute or whatever? So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, obviously, Pat Bramuth had some sort of a chest injury, but he came back. Uh, so I, I would assume he'll be fine for, you know, the next week and beyond. Um, Darnell Washington's a rookie playing his first game. I mean, I, I'm sure he will have opportunities to do things as they feel like he settles in a little bit more and a little bit more every single uh, week. We're going to get into the defense now. Before we do, I'm going to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. Before I do that, if you have any comments, questions you want to have brought up in the discussion here before the end, uh, please hop in the comments either on YouTube or on Facebook, and we will try to get to as many as we can. Um, In terms of the sponsors, I also want to give a shout-out to Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX 
or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also, Propel Schools, Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten to 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply at Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Uh, Paul, I want to start talking about the secondary. Patrick Peterson, this was his debut today as a Steeler. And it seemed like San Francisco was ready to go after him will, you know, off, early and often. Um, he made a couple of plays. He was credited and knocked a couple of balls down. Um, but he also, you know, let some of those guys, specifically Ayuk, run kind of wild in that secondary. Um, you know, what's your level of concern about those guys understanding that that defense spent almost the entire first half on the field? Uh, I saw a, a team that had a lot of wide open receivers running up and down the field, uh, especially in the middle of the field. Uh, it seemed like they were able to get open. I think, you know, Patrick Peterson, you know, the touchdown that was on him, uh, and it was in, uh, I guess what the second quarter or whatever the, the, the score that made it, I think 20, um, that's a, just a really good catch by. Uh, was it Ayuk? I, I think it was Ayuk who, who caught that. I th- that's a really, really good catch. I don't think that that's really on, you know, Peterson. I, I, he, he was there. He was there to make a play. And you know what? Their guy made a play. Uh, it's the worst football cliche in the history of football cliches. But their guys over there, you know, they drive the Benzes and, and Mercedes and everything else. They drive the Mercedes and the BMWs and the, and the Range Rovers. Because they make a lot of money because they're stars, too. And sometimes they're going to make a play. And that's so. But I thought that Peterson was, you know, he had an up and down day. He made, he did make a couple of uh, pass breakups. He got lost a few times. He got beat a few times. Uh, he made some, you know, some really good tackles. I mean, good plays on, 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 on the guys with the ball. I thought he did a pretty good job uh, for the most part. I thought he was basically what they were getting when they got him. You know, I mean, he's obviously not what he used to be. And we said if we get to a point maybe where they are uh, using him in the slot a little bit, it probably is going to be the best uh, thing, uh, best thing for him. What do you think of the middle linebackers, Paul? I think that was the thing a lot of us were most curious to see. I think it was hard for them not to get exposed today. They were going to be running for their lives considering how many plays San Francisco had. There's a ton of playmakers all over the field. Ayuk, I don't know how much they could have done about him, but McCaffrey had a pretty great day. What did you think about that middle linebacking group, Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, Quan uh, Alexander, and what you saw from them? Well, as I said, you know, I, I said at the start of this thing, there are basically a number of different things that are uh, there are basically a number of different things that are there uh, that we have questions about now that maybe we didn't have questions about before the season, and that's one of them, if you ask me. Um, those guys looked like guys, just kind of guys to me. They were not really a factor, hardly at all. I mean, I don't know that I can come up with one impact play any of those three guys made. Not one. There was one, I guess there was one play, maybe a Landon Roberts, I think it was, came up and filled the hole maybe for a one-yard loss or something. But for the most part, those guys did nothing of significance in this game. Nothing. That's a little alarming because there were all, this was the kind of game where there's a lot of plays for those guys to be made because of the way San Francisco runs offense. There's a lot of room for that, uh, you know, for those two guys to make plays. I thought Landon Roberts just sort of looked like a guy. 
Holcomb, I don't even know if he played. Uh, K1, I, I think he, he, he made a couple of just sort of okay plays. But none of them did anything of significance. That's a, pro, that's a concern because if you remember, the storyline coming into the season was those three were going to be a huge upgrade over Miles Jack and Devin Bush and, and uh, Spillane. Well, guess what? I'm not saying that they were, you know, because there were games that those three that I just uh, mentioned, those three were bad. But, I I, I mean, I don't know if if these three guys are are quite the upgrade that some people would love them to be. Yeah, and I think, the you know, Lou Boy in the uh, comments is pointing out they were on the field for 37 minutes. How much can you fault them? I think you you turned around one of those drives that San Francisco scored on in, in that first half. Maybe the, the complexion of the game is a little bit different. Maybe you have a chance to make a run in the second half. Um, and so I think that would be my big complaint is, yeah, you know, you can't put it all on the defense given that they were not only on the field, but at one point late in the first half, I think Fox put the graphic on the screen saying, you know, they San Francisco was starting from its own 43-yard line half the time. So I understand that. But you also, when you're brought in and you've spent as much money as the Steelers have on those guys, brought them in, to completely change this inside linebacking core, I'd like to see them step up and make a play to end a drive, get the ball back, maybe get a little more rhythm in that offense. Um, uh, Adam, uh, what were the final rushing numbers for San Francisco? Uh, 188 yards on 34 attempts. They averaged five and a half per attempt. Okay. Do you think if the inside linebackers played better, were more impactful and everything else, those numbers would be that? And my point is, the inside linebackers and the front seven and their inability to stop the run is a big reason they were on the field for 37 plays. I never, ever want to hear that nonsense from people. Well, because it'd be one thing if it was 37 plays and, and the 49ers had 15 drives, right? That's not exactly what had happened. They had long sustained drive. They were able to run right at the Steelers. They ran for big yardage and on, a, on a couple of plays. You know, when they needed, you know, some third downs, they were able to basically run right at the Steelers and, and, and get the first down. If these inside linebackers go and make a play, guess what? They're punting, and now they're off the field. So I never, ever want to hear that nonsense about how, well, they had so many plays, they were on the field, blah, 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 this and that, everything. Yeah, so, you know, that can be the case if the offense is really, really ineffective. But quite often, you know what, early in the game, they could have got a couple of stops and got off the field and not giving up, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten play drives or whatever it was. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's where it comes down to impact impact on the game. I just don't think well, they had an impact on the game. I don't think they did anything. They didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but they really didn't do anything special either. Well, and the McCaffrey touchdown coming out of the half just can't happen, Paul. You finally had, you know, kind of a little bit of momentum there. You get the ball back, you know, and they're still only down two scores. You score one more time, you're right back in the game. They give up a long touchdown to McCaffrey, and I think it was game over at that point. So that's a big thing I think you have to hold over, um, you know, including those middle linebackers as well. Um, how concerned are you about Cam Hayward with the groin injury? Um, I don't think we know how serious yet, but those are the types of things that can be nagging injuries, even if he plays against Cleveland, even if he plays these next two, three, four weeks. Um, I think he's going to be hobbled a little bit. What's your level of concern about that? Uh, I would say this. When you have a player of his age, it's always an issue, isn't it? Which is why, you know, we talked about them trying to build the depth, which I think they did build a little bit of depth on the defensive line. 
But whatever's going on with Ogunjobi now, right? And you've got, uh, if Hayward's out, now all of a sudden you've got some interesting issues on your defensive line. But that's why I always say, one of the things that to me is very underrated is staying healthy. But I also think that if you have a roster with some old guys, you have to build in the idea that some of them might get hurt. That some of them might have these nagging kind of injuries. Because when you're 30, when you're 25 and you have a little bit of a nagging injury, you can recover quicker than when you're 35. It's just the way it is. So, you know, that's what I always say when it comes to Cam Hayward. Obviously, he's a great player, uh, but he's up there in age. So this idea that you can just count on him to be there every single game and everything else, I think was a, was a, a little bit foolish. You know, I, I hope he's okay, and I hope he's able to play next week and they got an extra day because they got Monday Night Football next week. But to me, you know, that's one of those things you, you, you look at and you say, I'm not shocked that they're dealing with it because it probably was going to happen this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see that. One of the names I think a lot of people were hoping were, was going to step up on that defensive line was Keanu Benton. He had three tackles today, but only one solo. Joey Porter Jr. was not involved very much. Broderick Jones obviously didn't play at all. Um, Paul, they had three They had three picks at the top of the, the draft this year, right? They had the two second-round picks in the first round. Um, so is that part of the problem here? And Is it something that maybe is, is when we talk about this team getting better through, throughout the season, that might be part of it because you need more impact from those, those picks than what you got today, don't you? Well, yeah, that's what I said. If you're going to move up, you you know, if you're, first of all, if you're going to move up, that guy better start. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to move up, that guy better start. I guess I could give a little bit of an exception if, say, you have Aaron Rodgers in his final year and you want to move up, right, to get a top quarterback that you can have sit out or, you know, sit and watch Aaron Rodgers and be ready to play his second season. I might go with that. But for the most part, to me, Broderick Jones has to play. And if he doesn't, it's be, he's not being – to me, you, you should have picked somebody else. Um, you know, Keanu Benton played a little bit. Joey Porter played a little bit. Those guys hopefully will get out on the field a little bit more and more as the season goes on. But we'll see what happens from, from, here, uh, from here on in, uh, how much more they get to play. That – that's going to be a very telling thing. If, you know, if at the end of the year their level of participation is what it was today, then, yeah, you have to wonder about, you know, their drafting. How important is this game in Cleveland or against Cleveland, Paul, um, given that they, they lost today? I think you and I both saw this coming, but it reminds me of early last season when they played Cleveland and, and they lost that game, and, and that really felt like where things started to unravel a little bit. Do you need to see some life out of this team to believe that this season can be something different than last season? Well, I mean, I'd say the only thing that's significant about next week, it's a division game at home. So since it's a division game at home, it does matter a lot because you've got to go 3-0 and in those games, right? You've got to win. You've got to at least protect your own house against your division opponents and then hope that you go out and pick one of those teams off on the road. So – from that standpoint, but to me, if they go 0-2, say they lose and they go 0-2, 
in the big picture, grand scheme of things, all that really means is they're chasing their tails already early this season. So it would be nice for them to have a nice bounce back, have a good week of practice, come back, bounce back, play better against the Browns, get the one and one, and basically, you know, uh, go from there. Uh, but the only real significance, I mean, if they were playing the Bears or something next week, I would tell you, you know, being 0-2 is not the worst thing in the world. It's obviously you'd rather be 2-0, but it, it's still not panic time. But you do want to make sure that you win all of your home division games. Were you surprised that Cleveland pretty well took it to, to Cincinnati today? I, you know, I watched that game. Cincinnati had no life. Um, do you think maybe Cleveland's a little bit better than, you know, I thought they were probably the most vulnerable of the AFC North teams um, to the Steelers. And, and I think that was a bit of a statement win for them today. I wasn't shocked at all, Adam. I said that, that was the best bet on the, on the board. Because for whatever reason, the Browns have the, the Bengals number. And so, you know, I wouldn't read too much into that game because it didn't shock me. The other thing is the Bengals the last few years, they've sort of been this weird team that just kind of gets out of the gate slow, don't they? Uh, you remember they played the Steelers and they, you know, literally what they have gave up like five or six turnovers and just looked really, you know, sort of lethargic and didn't play very well. And generally, you know, that that's just – sort of what their DNA is, I guess. Um, but I'm not too surprised because, again, I thought the Browns would win the game. I did. Uh, there you have another home division game. Uh, I think it's a matchup thing. And and so, you know, the Bengals will be fine, just like the Chiefs will be fine. You know, they lost the other night, you know, to the Lions. I think they'll be fine as well. All right, Paul. Well, if you had, unless you had any final thoughts, we're going to wrap this up here. Um, great conversation today. Great audience. Thanks to everyone who participated. Um, just a reminder that we will have the North Shore Drive with Christopher Carter on Monday morning. Um, we'll also have some reaction from the Steelers locker room, Jerry Dulac, uh, later on tonight. So make sure you're subscribed. And if you enjoyed the stream, please pop a like. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. We always appreciate that. Um, Paul, any final thoughts before I, I sign off there? No, really. I mean, like I said, uh... Uh, only thing I'll say, Adam, is there were a number of people coming into this weekend who insisted that Mr. Irrelevant was not as good of a quarterback as the guy that's here. And I'm going to tell you, I watched this game up close. I've watched you know the Niners down the stretch last year. And I will tell you, this Purdy kid, I'm not saying he's you know the second coming of Mahomes or whatever, but he's pretty good. Yeah, you know, he's schematically what they do is great, but guess what? He throws the ball on time, accurately, um, you know what I mean? Uh, uses his feet just enough that he, that he can become a problem. I, I really believe that if I had to look at it right now, uh, I would take him over the first quarterback taken in the same draft uh, uh, because uh, the, that guy that, you know, Kenny Pickett, he had a lot of happy feet today. He has yet really to show in any of the games, except for, you know, a couple of the exhibition games. But, again, that doesn't count. He's yet to show that he can be an accurate, on-time, consistent thrower. Would you agree with that? Or am oh, I being too harsh? I, I, the thing I'd add to that, Paul, is we haven't seen him play a complete game. People keep no. bringing up how difficult it was to do what he did to the Raiders at the end of that game, how difficult it was to do – that to the Ravens in Baltimore and, you know, give him credit for that. But until I see him put together a consistent, you know, 60 minute game, 
I, you know, I don't have that level of confidence in him. I'm not saying I don't think he can get there, but that's why I picked him to go 10 and 7 because I haven't seen that consistency. And until I do, I, I think you're relying on the defense to win games. I think you're relying on him to just be good enough to be a game manager and not be a guy who goes out there and wins games, which is what I think a lot of the hype was built on, is that he's going to take a Joe Burrow step. And, and right. I didn't see that today. And until I do, I'm not really going to revise my belief that he's kind of just a guy at this stage of his career. I agree. Again, I agree with you. 100% I agree with you. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's really important um, to note that what happens in the games has to matter. So let's see what happens in the games before we decide, you know, whether or not, uh, the, you know, he's, he's the next Joe Burrow or whatever. But so far, I've seen no evidence that he can deliver the ball on time, accurately, consistently throughout an entire game. When he does that, you know, okay, then he will have earned it. But uh, he's got to earn it. And, and, and that's the one thing I'll say that kid that plays for the 49ers, you know, every time I've watched him play, I've come away saying he operates the offense well because he throws it quickly, he throws it on time, he, he's accurate with it, he makes good decisions. That's what you want from your quarterback. Yeah, and you know, Paul, I watch a lot of college football. Brock Purdy, I think, probably had the better overall career than Kenny Pickett did. I think Kenny Pickett was a much better player in their final years and, and you know, really found his groove with that, that offense at Pitt and with Jordan Addison and Everything kind of lined up for him. He was great in that last season. But Brock Purdy was a very solid college quarterback all the way through. Um, I think a lot of people were sleeping on him. You know, last season they came in, they acted like the guy had never thrown a football before. He was a very good college quarterback, and and I'm not surprised that he's having success now. Um, With that said, Paul, we're going to sign off here. Uh, Nice conversation today. Thank you to everyone for joining us, and we'll talk to you again after the Monday night game next week. All right, we'll see you, man. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.